0: And uh, once again, as promised, we have our two guests, Matt Rosenblum and Onik Sayadian from the Back to the Reformation podcast. And uh, we're glad to have you guys uh, with us again, Matt and Onik. Thanks for having us,
1: guys. Thanks so much.
0: And uh, we're excited to now delve a little bit deeper into some themes and topics that came up in our last episode briefly. But we thought it'd be really important and fun to dig into it a little bit more uh, because it kind of has to do with your story and or your stories, both of you, and uh, how it came about that you guys got involved in thinking about the Reformation and wanting to go back to it, um, in fact. So one of the topics that came up in our last episode, or at least a phrase that came up was this phrase, Lordship Salvation. And uh, I can imagine what some of our listeners who maybe have no idea what that, you know, uh, issue is or thinking like lordship salvation makes sense. Jesus is Lord. He's our savior. Great. Perfect. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. So with that in mind, I'd love to start there. And if uh, Onig or Matt, whichever one wants to kind of walk us through, uh, someone's pointing fingers, I'm not going to, uh, you guys choose among yourselves. <laughs> if one of oh, you, you- start?
2: okay fine tell us a little bit about
0: lordship salvation and kind of what's the what's the big deal uh what's the
2: issue okay look this uh, lordship salvation has much to do uh with i should say has little to do with the lordship of christ Mm. uh, and has much to do with um your faithfulness to christ all right, so it, Lordship salvation uh, was a, a theological uh, a theory or ass, uh, that came up uh, by, uh, taught by John MacArthur in regards to the whole uh, easy believism controversy with Zane Hodges and some others uh, within the dispensational camp, and yeah. so Zane Hodges being an antinomian, rightly so, should should be uh, a uh, admonished in regards to uh, their view uh, of antinomianism, but the response of Lordship Salvation being that um, uh, an attack against easy believeism. Uh, as I think Matt mentioned, um, he uh, he what MacArthur did was he, he properly uh, uh, understood the the issue where. You can't have a uh, you can't be a believer and mm. remain in sin, okay? Right, right. So we all believe that we all adhere to that. Reformed churches adhere to. Confessional churches adhere to that. But the problem is, it is an over-emphasized uh, focus on a believer's walk mm. uh, in regards to uh, uh, pointing to their. Uh, Validity or legitimacy of even being a believer. So it's right, not wait, real, real quick
1: on the, re, Right, real quick. So, in other words, it's the focus. It's the ultra focus on the interior life of the Christian. It's ultra pietistic. Mm-hmm. So it's it's obsessed with the interior life of the Christian.
0: So, so when you're saying interior life, just real brief to make sure all of our listeners are understanding what's going on. You're saying. This, this concept of lordship salvation, number one was a response to something, right? Something that needed to be corrected. This, like you said, easy believism, this antinomian kind of, uh, you could be a carnal Christian. I think that was part of that. Was that a part of that discussion? Bill Bright's carnal That's, Christianity and stuff. That, That's yeah. correct. So, so MacArthur and others in his camp were responding to something that rightly needed to be criticized, but Suddenly, now they're turning around and emphasizing something that is making salvation. Uh, now, would it be would I be correct in saying it, it made it sound almost works based?
2: That's correct. You're, I want to go correct. ahead, yeah, yeah almost works based. I mean, MacArthur does, is a Calvinist, mm-hmm. um, and so he does believe in uh, the five solas of the Reformation, uh, he teaches it. Right, but uh, the the problem is his emphasis on uh, and his theory on lordship salvation is, is his emphasis there immediately contradicts those those solas because mm-hmm. what happens is now everything ha- in order to validate your Christianity your uh, your 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 legitimacy of your proclamation of being a Christian mm-hmm. of uh, of adhering to Christ's uh, lordship is fully and uh, ultimately based on your walk, your obedience. Right. So what does that entail? That entails, uh, what, does, what are the ramifications, I should say, is now everything, you'll have to have to be introspective in order to judge if you're even a believer or not. And that's not the case at all. So we, we all hear, everyone in this room believes that Jesus is Lord, Yes. That's that's not the case. And yes, we do need to be obedient to his commands. Mm-hmm. But what the dispensational camp, specifically uh, John MacArthur and others, uh, don't understand is that Reformed understanding of simultaneously being a saint and a sinner at the same mm-hmm. time. And that our lives throughout the end of our life is going to be um, a a doing uh, you know doing well at times and falling into that uh sin that's constantly uh, uh is a problem in is a particular issue in somebody's life so, so
0: different a, christians spirit, have different
2: walks there's yeah. a
0: spirit flesh battle going on in the christian right. until we meet jesus face to face
2: right and right. Then it's is it is it a progressive uh, so we'll talk about sanctification right so is this sanctification or your your restoration as to be formed into the image of christ Mm -hmm. a lot of doctrinal uh, details there are now uh, affected because of this theology Mm -hmm. right so
1: So that so so technically what what happens in lordship salvation is that it confuses faith and obedience it actually conflates the two okay Mm -hmm. so it turns faith into a work into an action well as we know is it biblically and historically faith is known as a passive instrument by which god uses us to bring him to himself right but we are made righteousness it's an instrument of faith it's like i said it's a passive instrument Mm -hmm. and what happens is in the lordship camp is they turn faith into an active instrument okay again it's a work that's major confusion, right? We never want to do that. Faith is not a work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about a work, we talk about fruits of repentance when we're talking about works of the faith. Okay. Yeah, that's different. When we talk about repentance or works, repentance, our repentance is a fruit of sanctification. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we do salvation is sola is it's sola gratia it's grace alone yeah all of salvation is grace alone so when we talk about that all salvation is monergistic that means god alone is doing it right it doesn't mean that we're not involved and that we're not we're not repenting but it is the god it's the god of the bible who is acting upon us right and we are carrying out the works that are predestined beforehand that's what the scripture says yeah and so with So, so what happens is, is Lordship salvation turns all of these things around and it becomes something that we do. And what happens is if you reject Lordship salvation, you're accused of rejecting Jesus as Lord. No, we're not. Hmm. We all believe that Jesus is Lord. We don't make him Lord, right? He comes to us as Lord. He comes to us as a whole Christ. Amen. Um, And we don't, there's not so.
2: It was just saying, is, we believe God the Father is Lord too, right? And the Holy Spirit is Lord,
1: right? Is Lord, okay? <laughs> but but what we don't do is that we don't obey the law perfectly. That's why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are told by lordship proponents that you are su- su- you're supposed to submit your whole life to Christ, or you're not a Christian, right? Okay. Well, would I love to submit my whole life to Christ in every area of my life? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Do I want to? Do we want to mortify the flesh? absolutely right yeah um but look at let's face it do we and we hear from them all the time that if you're if you haven't done this you are not a christian well if that's the case then we are all damned
0: yeah i think that's the, the key i, I want to kind of push on that for a second because i think the, the key for me uh is that one camp seems to say or or I, what i believe the bible teaches here this whole indicative imperative paradigm we see in scripture is this is who you are in Christ. This is what you have in Christ. Now go and live it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Versus what this other camp seems to be saying is if you don't live it out, I don't think you're in Christ. Correct. If you don't surrender fully, you're not. And and I'm going, well, surrender fully. What does that even mean? Right. I think Roger and I have tried to talk through some of these things uh, on some of our episodes Uh, And I'd love Roger to chime in on this, too, because I know he's thought a lot about uh, this particular topic. But those two things, though some might think think they're similar, they're vastly different. One is saying, hey, it starts with what Christ has done in you, to you, for you. And because of that now, go live, live it out. Right. Versus. Go ahead. No right the problem is you have people like
1: washer people like william webster i'm sure i'm sure you're familiar with that name and others macarthur is they they talk about repentance like it comes before regeneration that it precedes regeneration and in fact in fact william webster has a whole article on his website and and his in one of his books that talks about this and what that sounds like it sounds like a doctrine of what's called preparationism Mm -hmm. okay And no, you do not have to repent before God regenerates. You repent because God has regenerated you. The fact is, is that if you have to do something for God to to regenerate you, I'm sorry, but that's just not Calvinism. That is pure semi-Pelagianism. And Pelagianism actually at worst. And the fact is these guys claim to be Calvinistic. When that completely contradicts it, you do not have to do something to clean up your life to come to Christ. It's just not biblical.
2: Right. Yeah. And Roger, I'm assu- I would guess that this heavily affects biblical counseling as well. Mm, good question.
3: Yeah, definitely. As I, as I think about it, and I think of the two categories um, in dealing with this issue, from a biblical counseling perspective, it's how are you dealing with the remaining sin and corruption? because none of us believe in sinless perfection. So if he's Lord of your life and and, and we have this emphasis on your obedience, you're never going to meet the perfect standard. So you have to deal with remaining sin. And just to call people out and say, you're not a believer because you struggle is not a good argument for what right. that person needs at that moment. But what it also leads to is a lot of people who, have no assurance. So you're counseling people who, who are always feeling guilty and always dreading whether they're saved or not, and they can't find assurance because the focus is on you. And, uh, you know, in, in my study of my program, you know, was all on sanctification and the work of the spirit changing us. And how do we deal with remaining sin? That's always been a question that I ask when I read somebody who's going to deal with sanctification. If you have no category for remaining sin, then I think your conclusions are going to go off, and you're going to conclude right. and lead people to an emphasis on themselves, and you take the emphasis off of Christ, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, leads to all sorts of uh, confusion. Um, I think so.
0: That's. Um, it's, it's huge, yeah. this idea of confusion That's that right. it leads to and, and a lot of harm really that it does spiritually, which I want to get into in just a second. But, um, and we don't typically do this on our podcast, uh, but I'm going to blame Matt and Onik. They brought a video along <clears throat> uh, uh, or a clip <laughs> along. I don't know if, if we can uh, put that on. And we again, we're not trying to call out any, we're, we're not purposely trying to pick on anyone, but this doctrine or the way it's taught does seem to have uh, spiritual or it does cause spiritual harm and we've seen that. And so there's a clip that we want you to listen to and uh, maybe we'll talk about.
3: Yeah. So let me cue this up and we'll play a couple minutes of this clip.
1: Just want to say one thing while we're getting this clip ready is that if Lordship's salvation was just in regard to sanctification necessarily following justification. There would be no debate at all. None.
2: Just Mm an evidence, no issues.
1: Yeah. We believe that, that fruits are a necessary consequence of faith. There's no, I don't, I don't debate that at all. That's of course, but that's, but that's not the issue. And I think that's what people fail to see.
4: Okay. I think we're ready to go and I'll start. here. I was asked at my table, you know, what would I preach uh, to bring church members to Christ? Um, and, and, that's, and I said the last thing I would preach would be John 3.16. Uh, that, that just lulls everyone in the building to sleep. Um, I, I would preach the Lordship of Christ. I would preach repentance. Um, I would preach the new birth. I would preach the necessary evidence of the new birth. Um, I would preach the sovereignty of God and salvation to the extent that I could push that. I would do everything that I could to blow a trumpet in Zion and to awaken those who are asleep. And when I was at my previous church, it's not a, it's not a county church, but it was a, it was a long-standing church, a hundred years old. Um, when I preached First John, okay,
2: yeah, yeah, I used to hate John three sixteen too when I was a uncaged Calvinist.
1: All I can say is, <laughs> okay, this this is this is Steve Lawson, right? It's it's not a personal attack. I'm um, sure he means well, but bless Pastor Lawson's heart. okay that's all i can say and and the the fact is is that this kind of stuff just destroys the assurance of a believer these men are constantly trying to smoke out the um this the self-deceived unbeliever in their congregations and while doing so they're just destroying the sheep
2: yeah so
0: why why do you think he's saying what do you think he means when he says that basically he wouldn't you he wouldn't preach john 3:16 what what's what's the issue in his mind with john 3:16 versus these other things that he said he would do uh
2: my understanding of what he said my interpretation of what he said I, um, would be that john 3:16 is about the love of god the love of god doesn't necessarily for you know, Pastor Lawson, he doesn't necessarily cause people to repent, mm. even though the word of God says that it's the kindness of God that leads you to, to repentance. Mm. So, um, so what they do is they use the law. They obviously you do use the law. We have to use the law in order to call sinners to repentance, That's right. but for Christians we remind them of their union with Christ. And by the way, union with Christ is not a doctrine that's even, I don't think even taught in dispensational churches. Mm. Yeah. Because it's always about um, some type of faithfulness uh, that, that unites you to Christ. So um, he's giving the law, but he's giving the law to the the first use of the law to the wrong people. And the first use being is, is to show them like the mirror it's to show them their their need or their outer uh, spiritual bankruptcy but for christians that's already been done yeah. god god is not a uh, a judge for them god is their heavenly father yeah. so re, uh, it would be to remind them that they are in christ you're in union with the son and that um uh, so we use what's called the third use of the law and that is as another a guide for the christian to live um in obedience to uh, god's word yeah. not as, not as a uh not as a case to uh, to judge but rather to, to to possibly have um like our fathers today would do uh, to discipline us right so mm-hmm. it's a that's let, let me yeah, push back no a, understanding
0: let me push back a little bit Law certainly should be used, like you said, first use for the non-believer. Um, but even then, and I know you you agree with this, so I it's not really pushback. But even then, it's the gospel that awakens them, right? Yeah.
2: Right. Right. Uh, second Peter was, one, what you're just teaching on that. Second yeah, Peter one.
0: Second Peter one. I mean, it? Uh, Paul in 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 Romans ten. Uh It's the, it's the gospel. It's you know the, the preaching, the proclamation of the gospel is what will bring them faith, not, uh, not the law, right? This is good. It's good news for lawbreakers. Amen. Amen. We, they need to know their lawbreakers. Yes. And that's why we, we, the law is useful. It points them to their need, but the gospel comes in and says, your need is fulfilled in Christ, not by what you're going to do and how you can achieve it and repent so that I can now give this to you. no, uh the gift is uh the gospel itself the fullness
3: if so, though go ahead matt
0: no what i
1: what i was going to say the danger here there's so many things to point out but unfortunately the, the, the danger here is Number one, the confusion of law and gospel, because he thinks that he's not just, he doesn't think he's moving into the law. I don't think he's thinking about that. He's just moving into other things that I think that he thinks are just part of the greater gospel, right? Okay. And there's a confusion here because he can't distinguish between law and gospel. That's the reason why he does it. That's Mm -hmm. the reason why these guys do it, because they don't think there is a distinguishing mark of law and gospel or or distinguishing mark of the gospel or the law let's just put it that way yeah. um, so that's the problem here and i think that's what we want people to see and that's why it is so important to distinguish between law and gospel now here's another problem with this is he's telling people that basically their lives are not matching up okay that's what he's basically telling them so mm-hmm. if if your life is if you're not living your life this way right then what do you have to do? You have to work harder. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. And so what does that sound like? It sounds like he's saying that the works are instrumental in some way or another. Hmm. That's the only logical conclusion that you can draw from that. So the question is, and I think we've talked about this before, Jason, in fact, is that you said, I think that what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just work harder or do you want me to throw myself on Christ? Like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Exactly. And that's, and that, So it's really dangerous to tell a person, especially an unbeliever, to work harder because what they're going to do is they're going to take that as some moral instruction and start trying to work harder.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it reminds me of uh, the parable of the tax collector, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? The Pharisee did work hard. Look at what I do. I, I, I fast twice a mm-hmm. week. I do this, that, the other. And then you've got this this poor tax collector beating his breast saying, Lord, have mercy on me. And the Lord makes it clear. The Lord Jesus, the Lord, the true Lord says it's that one that walked away justified. Let's keep mm-hmm. that in mind. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Raj, you were about to jump in there. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, yeah. Don't was, be uh, sorry, Matt. We, we always like to interrupt Roger. To- <laughs> oh, wow. if so you're doing it right <laughs> oh, <wait>. now. <laughs>
3: Uh, I was just going to say thinking about uh, the indicatives and the imperatives there's a disconnect between the indicatives and imperatives and it seems like there's a fear that if you emphasize the indicatives that people won't be motivated to obey or they won't obey and you go to the extreme of being antinomian instead of seeing the indicatives as the motivation as the fuel as the grounding for why you want to obey at the same time I think uh, one of the emphasis I seem I see missing is that even with the imperatives, even if, with all this law keeping, it's very external, It's very moralistic, where the Bible talks about the heart mm-hmm. and sin beginning in the heart with your thoughts, your desires, your your will. And that's not being addressed and it's covered over this cloak of righteousness because I do this, this, and that, and I look so great on the outside but if we go underneath that and look at the heart you see the depravity mm-hmm. of each of us and why we still struggle with sin for the rest of our life so
0: and, and, exactly and the reality right. is and the reality is Roger th- that's harder to talk about because we are so aware that we can't change our own hearts fact exactly. right we need the savior to change our hearts and you know, we need grace to, to change our hearts. We can't, we can't change our hearts. Uh, so it's and, much easier to think about the external. And I've told you
3: that I think that there is an over-realized regeneration. Yeah. We are not, uh, you know, even though we're given this new heart and we're born again, and there's a new, you know, all around us that it's, it's a very incomplete work yeah. and we are not as, uh, uh, great as we think we are, um, with that emphasis, it, 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 it doesn't leave room for a struggle with sin that scripture does emphasize in Galatians chapter five, other places. And you have to acknowledge that. And you can't just say it's, you know, if you struggle with this list, you're not a believer. It's too simplistic. It doesn't take in the complexity of the heart.
1: Matt. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Roger. It's funny. You said that a list, Because what he goes on to next in that video is he goes to first John, right? So, so guess what? There's a litmus test that you have to pass all these lists. And by the way, he goes, I think even into more, he goes into like nine. He said nine, something like that, right? It's like, geez, man, why don't you just, there's even more, right? Keep on going. The fact is, is that first John is not about a litmus test that you have to pass. I mean, the the problem with a lot of these guys, Mm. too, is they're actually not very good exegetes. And I'm not trying to say that to be mean, right? But I can even say from the study that I've done and the people that I've said under is that these guys are not careful with the context. And so what they do is they end up heaping coals on the unbeliever on the believer while doing so. Mm. And they destroy their insurance, their assurance, like we talked about before. And what and here's the thing. And you're actually going to cause. The regenerate people in your congregation to be self righteous as well, because what happens is they're going to try to work harder, right? They're going to get on that treadmill and they're going to start trying to pump out fruit and they're going to constantly navel gaze. So it's going to cause self righteousness, it's going to cause despair, on and on and on. And that's exactly what Lordship Salvation does. And this is why I sound passionate about it, because what it does is it causes despair or arrogance.
0: Yeah. And let's, let's push on that because I think honestly, for me, pastorally speaking, we've seen Roger and I've talked about this. We've seen in our church and I will say people that have come out of certain contexts. Okay. some that were probably just from our teaching because the Lord is growing us too and changing us, but some that have come to us from elsewhere that have been so devastated by the teaching. There's a young guy I think about who we love so much, and he admits like there he, he wrestles with assurance so much, wrestles with rest. He doesn't have rest um, in Christ, and I think this teaching kind of lends itself to that. Um, why don't you guys? I know only you you've expressed some personal angst that you've dealt with over the years. Uh, do you want to address some of that and how rest can be shattered by by this?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the problem, again, is because I, I was reared in Lordship Salvation for such a long time, I didn't know anything other than that. I, I mean, I knew that I had to be obedient. I knew that because of my obedience uh, or lack of obedience, either I'm pleasing or not pleasing the, to the Lord. Yeah. So it's dependent upon my faithfulness. And so that became such a burden and uh, there are times it's just like i don't want to go to church i don't want to be told i'm a sinner because i already know this yeah. you know i don't want to be told i need to obey this and that because i know i have to yeah but uh, but uh, you know my thoughts my words my deeds and uh, they were not in line and uh, consistently but only until i c- uh, came across the reformed view of of justification and sanctification which tells me that they're both the the work of god they're both the grace of god to me so uh, the reformers talk about the uh the the double blessing or the duplex double grace. Gratia, yeah. Double grace yeah so Absolutely. justification is all of god sanctification is all of god the what i'm experiencing is the outpouring of uh, uh the the fruits of the spirit because the spirit is changing me and therefore the evidence is pour out from that and i realized that you know what i'm just going to rest on christ yeah. i'm just going to wait on him and him and hope on him uh, in order to um to see this fruit grow and when i cuz what i'm what i'm doing now is i'm just throwing my hands up in the air and i'm saying i don't have any strength lord yeah. i know i know i'm yours you said i'm yours and so i'm going to go ahead and rest upon the lord jesus who is faithful and who can change me
0: and let so, me ask let me ask you a question after that understanding right you you started going whoa i can i can rest in christ did that make you uh want to go out and sin all the more <laughs>
2: no 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 not at all no it didn't uh, make I, you want to just go out and party or something no i was overjoyed i was like am i really a christian uh, And i think this was um uh, uh I think it was a term that I think John Fonville said that, uh, you know, uh, we're born again, again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so that's, that's how I felt. I'm like, Lord, this is, so it is true. So I I do have assurance of my salvation because I'm not no longer looking into myself for my faithfulness. I'm looking into the object of my faith with which is the Lord Jesus Christ who has done all these things for me. So, yes, now I am growing properly, <laughs> even though I'm still failing because simultaneously I'm a sinner and a saint. Sure. And I do confess those sins. Amen. But, I, but with, with the knowledge that uh, neither height nor depth, nothing can separate me from the Amen. love of God that is in Christ Jesus.
0: I'm so glad you brought that passage up. And then Matt, you got a, I know you got an object lesson for us here. It looked like, but uh, you brought that passage up and reminded me, my grandmother um, was raised in a, a setting that though it may not have taught exactly Lordship salvation is something along those lines. And also more of an Arminian kind of background. And I just remember one day she was really struggling. She kept saying, I really pray that, I don't sin right before Jesus returns, or I don't sin right before I get hit by a car yeah. and die. Right, And I said to mm-hmm. her, Nene, I said that we would call her Nene, Grandma. I said, let me read to you from scripture, from God's word. And I read to her uh, Romans eight, that passage. She made me underline that thing in her Bible. I'll never forget. She's like, I need to go back to that again and again. I'm like, amen. Yes, you do. Exactly. Because that's not how this works. Salvation isn't a temporary thing, right? If he saved you, you are saved. Um, It's not a, a conditional salvation of some sort that needs to be finalized at another time. That is not what being saved by Jesus Christ means. He is saved to the uttermost. Um, but Matt, you have a book you were going to recommend. It looked like,
1: yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, about owning, you know, I, I know I give owning <laughs> such a hard time all the time, but, um, it seriously, man, it was, it was beautiful to hear that again, really, because that was me. I mean, I, I struggled so hard with my assurance. I didn't have really any assurance, um, before I became, um, before i came to the reformed faith really i mean it was like it was like being born again for a second time really Mm -hmm. and onig and i just a little brief testimony we became reformed around the same time actually and um because we were introduced to uh the teaching uh, of god's sovereignty his grace his free grace and it set us free and that really was the um the reason that was the reason why we did Back to the reformation while we started it. Yeah. I'm going back to the first episode. And I cannot stress enough, you guys, that it's the gospel that's the engine to sanctification. Amen. That you're not gonna grow um by just law preaching. That's not gonna happen. You're just gonna get beaten up. And that's all that's gonna happen. You're gonna despair. And it to be honest with you, you got to be careful because for someone who's constantly law preaching and having such a heavy emphasis emphasis on the law. What happens is you can actually increase the sin in a believer's life as well.
2: Mm. When they fall into despair, that's 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 all they are going to do.
1: Right. You have to be careful because it's a fine line. Even when you're preaching the third use of the law, right? You have to be careful how you wield it because you can actually turn it into the first use. Mm.
3: Mm. Let me me share a a good quote from Bridges that kind of combines what you're saying together.
1: Um, oh, real quick uh I, I held up uh the gospel for real life by jerry bridges now since you're saying that um this book was given me as a is a birthday gift actually by john fondville recently mm-hmm. and i couldn't recommend it enough i'm reading it right now um and i've heard mm-hmm. quotes from it time and time again but this is exactly what we're talking about man is that a, a gospel driven life man yeah. and um could recommend it enough. Go ahead, Roger.
3: Yeah, Jerry Bridges was somebody who opened my eyes after seminary to understand the gospel in a way I hadn't understood, but here, here's a quote from him. He says, yes, the scriptures are filled with the imperatives of God's will for us. They are one of the several instruments the Holy Spirit uses to transform us, and yes, we do have a duty to respond in obedience to those imperatives, But God wants us to desire to do what is our duty to do. He wants us to want to do what we ought to do. And it is the love of Christ as seen in the gospel. It is our response of gratitude for his grace that gives desire to duty and changes ought to, to want to. Mm -hmm. From his book, The Transforming Power of the Gospel and the emphasis of the gospel being the engine for the imperatives that are in scripture.
2: Amen. Yeah. Amen. And uh, the gospel being the engine and um, I had lost my train of thought. Uh, I was going to say something about what you just said, but I lost my train of thought. You can edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to leave that in. We, right? we leave it. All. <laughs> all right, <we're>
0: edit.
1: <laughs> uh, Don't edit anything. Yeah. <laughs> i i wanted to say look the fact is is that just because we're critiquing what steve lawson was saying and what lordship salvation is saying in no way negates the seriousness for pursuing holiness in our lives as christians that's right that's right no way does it in fact we should do more so now because we know that we are secure in christ
0: yeah and we know to whom we belong. We know that we have the uh, ability because we are no longer under dominion to sin because of our union with Christ. And so there's so much that, uh, like you said, that will, will cause us to pursue holiness. Uh, but it's not, it's not so that we might be saved, nor is it so that we might have holiness. It's because he's made us holy and he continues Amen. to work in us.
2: Yeah, so what um, Roger was quoting there uh, uh, regarding bridges bridges talked about uh, a heart of gratitude, right? And that is how we live our Christian lives because of the gratitude that is poured out from our own hearts because of what Christ has done for us. But that whole, this whole idea of having gratitude, the reformed understanding is guilt, then grace. And then you have gratitude and you live according to that gratitude is a is there's a great animosity against this type of understanding of guilt, grace, gratitude by like John Piper and others who want Christians to live in duty, not in gratitude. So that makes a huge difference how you can or cannot live your life.
0: You know, I'm I'm certainly no Piper apologist, but his own book talks about delighting, doesn't it? Instead of duty, the difference between duty and delight. Uh, But, that's neither here nor there any longer, uh, guys. It is it is good to talk about these things. Uh, it's a little different than our typical episodes uh, here because we're more fluffy and lovey-dovey than no, okay, not not the case. But we uh, <laughs> we don't normally name names and uh, and take prisoners. Uh, no, uh, but it was fun and and I, we'd love to have you guys on again and talk through some more issues. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Um, I I know we've really appreciated uh the, so many of your episodes is you've got oh, great. Gr- great people on there to talk through really important issues and uh, uh except when you had us on that that was just messy. <laughs> but but other than that uh, just really great topics insightful thoughts and so we really appreciate it so may the lord strengthen you guys as you continue to do his work and uh raj i don't know you have any final thoughts uh, for these guys or on the topic yeah.
3: Yeah, if you disagreed with anything or you have anything negative to say, remember Pastor Jason at. <laughs> <laughs> you share all your comments. No, it's great having <laughs> you guys on and uh, challenging our listeners to think uh, at a higher level with important topics that aren't just theological, but they're practical because they affect our life in yeah. Christ. And so it's it's great to discuss these with you guys. Yeah, And, you know,
1: for all all your listeners, if you want to see dead bones rise,
0: preach the law and the gospel. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Really appreciate it. God bless you guys and your work. And uh, for all our listeners, until next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.